I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That is such a fascinating viewpoint for me because I 100% respect everything that you just said, but I also disagree with every single part of it. Brilliant! <laughs> yes! <Yeah. laughs> Rusty Quill presents Enthusiasm. Hello, friends and fans, and welcome to Enthusiasm, the show where we talk about a few of our favourite things. I am your host, Helen Gould, one of the best rusty quillers and today we're talking about star wars and i am uh 
I don't know, filled with midichlorians to be joined (laughs) (laughs) by Alistair, Katie and Sasha. Now, as always, we shall introduce ourselves alphabetically. So, Alistair, what are your pronouns and what do you do? Hello there. Uh, I'm Alistair Stewart. My pronouns are he, him. I co-own, along with the most amazing human I've ever met, uh, Escape Artists, which is a genre fiction podcast company that produces four shows that do science fiction, fantasy, horror, and YA. Uh, I also um, release a weekly pop culture newsletter called The Full Lid, and I act in a surprising amount of podcasts this year. Uh, After playing the unsung hero of the Magnus Archives, Peter Lucas, in the Magnus Archives, uh, (laughs) I'm currently playing the narrator in The Secret of St. Kilda. Uh, I'm about to play the world's loveliest flight attendant in Rogue Maker, and I'm also in Supersuits later on this year. And no, I probably don't sleep enough. Katie, what are your pronouns and what do you do? Hello, she, her, I work as head of Patreon now for Rusty Quill and I also work a bit as a composer and sound designer. Lovely, lovely. And Sasha, what are your pronouns and what do you do? Hello, I'm Sasha Sienna. My pronouns are she, he and they. And I am a professional nerd uh, who (laughs) uh, performs, writes, designs tabletop RPGs as one half of MacGuffin and Company. And Rusty Quill listeners probably know me best as Georgie Barker from the Magnus Archives. What? Just the the smoothest, most streamlined introductions from all of you there. I'm very (laughs) impressed. Well done. The urge to waffle was seriously suppressed in my case. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, we are working with one of the best Rusty Quillers. We're all bringing our A-game game tonight. We've got to really, really step up. Focus. (laughs) So let's start with the... um, the, the the obvious question to start with, which is, how did you all get into Star Wars? Um, because I watched um, my first Star Wars film not really knowing what it was. Like, Star Wars as a concept did not occur to me, and like, did not filter through to me until much later. And then I was like, oh, that film where, like, the, the spaceship flew around and there was a swamp and a little green... Dude, that that was Star Wars. Okay, that's great. But I'd like to hear how the rest of you um, were introduced to this uh, magnum opus. Ooh, who's going first? I think you're going first. It seems like it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've broken the seal. <laughs> I mean, I grew I grew up in the era where Star Wars Star Wars was already iconic. As a kid, mm-hmm. I wasn't so keen um, because I was quite a nervy kid. And Darth Vader was scary, but actually it was the stormtroopers I hated because they were like these big white flies who were aggressive and horrible. Mm. And I, I just, I just, I couldn't really deal with it. But there were some certain things I did like as a kid. Um, I liked the whole geometrical design of it. Mm. It sort of, it had the, the kind of quirky randomness and the kind of abundant visual sort of um, variety of the world appealed. Um, I like the music, which I'll come back to. And um, the thing I liked the most was that Luke Skywalker had like a kind of whitish lightsaber and Darth Vader had a red one. And they reminded me of plain and strawberry mini milks, the ice lollies. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, mini milks were great. Oh, they're so good. And I, I, I watch. I got this kind of creamy strawberry vanilla taste when mm. I watched it. So for that, I would put up with the horrible white fly-faced stormtroopers and the, everybody being mean. Um, anyway, um, when I was a teen or sort of a little bit later into my teens, uh, there was the release of the digital remasters, and that's when I really got obsessed with just losing myself in fantasy worlds at that point and this was definitely one of mm. them that I, I was I was full of teenage angst I suppose I was getting into um, A-level territory and that sort of thing and ah. you know and it was it was very nice to be able to just obsess over a fantasy world um, so that's when I got into also by that time I was starting to get really interested in media music mm-hmm. and obviously the music I loved um, so that's that's when I got into it and we used to sort of rent from, this is Show My Age, Blockbuster Video, The Empire Strikes Back <laughs> multiple times because it was just so beautiful to watch and so wonderful to lose yourself in. And I loved all the kind of the ideas in it and the, you know, the, the force and the idea of kind of a fairy tale that was also sci-fi. And so that was, um, yeah, that's how I got into it, really. Fantastic. Uh, I'm going to pick on someone next. Uh, Alistair, how about you? Tell us your Star Wars story. There's a certain amount of resonance, actually, with, with Katie's. It's, mm. uh, uh, except you mentioning Mini Milks has reminded me of Mr. Freezes, <laughs> which mm. are about foot and oh. a half long frozen plastic mm. tubes of oh, so green or blue. <laughs> Notionally, there was a yeah. flavour, but you tasted it and it, it tasted of blue. Great nutrition. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I always used to have one of those when uh, my mum went over to a client's house. My mum at this point was a hospice nurse and we, we lived on the Isle of Man. Mm. So um, she basically was pulling double duty. She was doing nights at a nursing home one town over. And weekends she would spend some time with uh, a very, very nice lady who lived about 25 houses down. And basically, she'd spend the day with her and make sure that, you know, she was able to to wash and have a good quality of life and, and cook for her and chat to her and, and, and hang out. And of course, it was the weekend. And I was a nerdy insular kid who didn't really do outside. A couple of years later, by the way, I briefly did outside and immediately drove my bike off a cliff. But that's a different <gasps> story. Um, oh you were kind of vindicated in that case, weren't you? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, this lady had an extensive library of, of Betamax videotapes, and one of them was Star Wars, taped from ITV. And, and my mum, and there's no way to say this without sound, but that's sounding pejorative, and it's not men, because my mum's lovely. My mum basically sat me down and went, we're going to be here for the next four hours. Watch this twice. <laughs> and so most weekends I watched Star Wars twice. And I always I had this very, very vivid memory of going over there one Saturday and, and having lunch with the pair of them and, and my mom going, okay, here's the videotape with Star Wars on it. You can either watch this today or we can go see Return of the Jedi at the cinema tonight. And I was like, there's a third one. Ooh. Why aren't we in the car now? So <laughs> well played, that was, was kind of my, my on-ramp. Aww. <laughs> Gosh, I can't imagine seeing them in the cinema for the first time because they must have been such an experience. Mm. Oh, it's huge! I don't think I've, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've seen a film that felt bigger. Mm. It's interesting, actually. That just reminds me of another thing because I, I was, I've always been like a little bit kind of sensitive in the sensory sense, and so loud, mm. loud noises and um, sort of big, loud lights and motion. I used to find a little bit overwhelming, and I remember going to see Star Wars in the cinema for the first time was when I realised I could just kind of sit back and let it watch over me and it wasn't going to hurt me. 
so that's another reason oh, I think why I'm lovely. fond of it. Aww, yeah, that's yeah, really nice. yeah. Um, Sasha, how about you? Uh, yeah, so for me, it's it's also on a theme uh, in that when I was about seven years old, actually exactly seven years old, uh, my parents sat me down and were like, we're going to show you Star Wars now. <laughs> and they put on A New Hope. And it was quite exciting for me because it was very rare that I was encouraged to watch videos. Mm. Ah. Um, and even less so that my parents were like, we are, we are showing you this now. Mm. Like, I gathered that it was an event Mm. um and i just the bit where darth vader steps onto the tantive four for the first time like i i agree that was it was so scary Mm. and i had such an impression of it but in a way that really impressed me Mm. and i just like imprinted on it at that point as a film as a world Mm. and the rest of the like and and that was it that was it i was hooked completely <laughs> and also like i had quite a crush on luke skywalker and some very confusing but very engaging feelings about princess leia <laughs> that i didn't really understand at the time um and i very much wanted to be han solo and oh it was just like something in deep inside me really clicked watching that film for the first mm. time and um i think that was probably the first time where i really felt like that huge emotional connection to a film and it happened just like right out the gate mm. so that's why it's always been such a big thing for me Aww. i'm like a little little duckling and this was the first thing that i saw <laughs> <laughs> that's a beautiful analogy i love how your your parents turned it to this kind of ritual initiation thing if they were actually like trying to make it that way but that was definitely the sense that i got <laughs> My next question is, I want to ask you what you think the Star Wars films are about. Mm. Like, fundamentally, like, what are the... I'm going to talk about um, the films primarily, because I understand there are lots of different media focused around Star Wars, and they probably all have different messaging. But what do we think, like... That's still too big of a question. Mm. There okay. are three sets of films, and they're all about different things. Yeah. Are we good? Oh, yeah. Let's stick with the originals, then. And then we'll go through the rest. <laughs> so the original three, what are they about? I'll could I take a run at this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, great. I'm going to cheat a little bit and talk very briefly about one of the TV shows. I just finished writing, <laughs> writing a thing about Book of Boba Fett, which I think is much more interesting and chewy and deeply eccentric than people have given it credit for, because it's a gear shift in Star Wars. It's it's a very specific point where this universe that at particular times has been very much about a you are dark side or light side choice suddenly becomes about this guy who is an empty suit of armor i mean boba fett's cool as hell but there is no character he he is a pair of cool sunglasses um and suddenly we see the guy behind the suit and it becomes about who he is and he's complex and human and weird so he doesn't want to just do one of these things and i think that's very much where the tv stuff is going and i I mention it here in connection with the original movies because it's all it all takes place on tatooine and the more i think about it the more i think tatooine is one of the most interesting and important locations in popular culture because it is the literal definition of a frontier town so you draw on the iconic elements of the old west but it is also every small town on earth <laughs> because nothing nothing happens in tatooine nothing ever happens 
um, it's you know you have to go over to Toshi Station to get the power converters. And what the hell are the power converters for? Why is the milk blue? You know mm. your your best <laughs> chance is to go off to Flight Academy in three years and learn how to fly a bubble of, attached to a pair of tissues. It's a terrible place to live mm. all the time. I mean, it's not a terrible place to live. It's a boring one. Mm. And I think the, a big part of the, the original three movies is all, could almost be argued as being, be careful what you wish for. Because Luke wants absolutely nothing more than to leave this incredibly boring place and go off and have an amazing life. And he does. And parts of it really suck. Mm. But he comes out the other side of it and he is not just stronger and different and more mature through his experiences. He's still the kid from Tatooine. And I think at the core of it, that's an incredibly hopeful message, which is really boils down to you can't go home again, but that's because home always goes with you. And it just looks different as you go. And I kind of love that. Oh, Alistair. That is interesting. Such a fascinating viewpoint for me because I 100% respect everything that you just said, but I also disagree with every single part of it. Brilliant! <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, Brilliant. go for it, Sasha, go I, for I, it. I, I want to hear all of this. Let, let's, let, 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 let's go. This, this will be great. Okay. Okay, so first off, I don't think Tatooine is very cool as a place. I also think loads of things happen there. Um, I, I think it is this like backwater place that is also, because it is backwater, the site for a load of murky stuff that is going on. Mm. And that is what we're seeing in Tatooine in the TV shows. Um, I also don't think that Bubba Fett is cool. Um, <laughs> we can come back to the TV shows. I have things to say about them as well. But we'll get on to that. I'm sure we're going to get on to that. But in terms of like what the uh, films are about or what the original trilogy is about, I, I agree I think it is about hope. Mm. But I, I don't think it is about Luke taking home with him at all i think it is about him finding what was actually always his home i think that the the films are about hope and they are about um redemption Mm -hmm. redemption like through the darth vader arc but also like redemption for this galaxy Mm. um i think that the character arc of darth vader is like very important one but one that like maps onto the redemption of this society of this um galaxy that we're seeing um but I think that that is what Luke is doing. He is finding his home. He finds his family, both found and literal. Um, but also it's very clear from A New Hope that Luke is kind of like destined, narratively speaking, to become a Jedi. That is his home. That is who he has been all along. And the way that the Force is presented in those films is very much like you have always understood this. Mm. You yeah. instinctively get this. This was with you all the time. Um I think that's what it's about. I think it's about becoming who you've always been, finding who you've always been and redemption on a a huge scale. And I also just, I'll be honest, I think we can talk about what it is about. I also think it is just a load of really high octane mythology tropes (laughs) shoved in there. And I, I don't think that we need to denigrate that. No, absolutely. For its own sake. It can be all of those things at Mm. once. I I think it's really interesting that both of you have honed on Tatooine as this central um, place. It's almost like it's everybody's mess. You know, it's everybody's personal family home mess. You know, because everything lurks on Tatooine, out slightly out of sight, um, and yet everything always comes down to this one little place as well. And 
then every now and then you get these, well, you get the double moon and the tune, um, which is, you know, obviously the, you know, what Alistair was referring to, the young man's longing to go and go out there and find something and be something. And I do actually think that in fantasy there there is a strong theme of being careful what you wish for in these coming of age stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking when you were talking about it, I was thinking about the Tad Williams books. Um, oh yeah, good choice. Yeah, um, which 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 did it in a really powerful way for me. Uh, but I also think there are sort of broader themes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I heard recently was this idea of um, aligning nature and sort of individual identity with, with as, as something wholesome and technology and collective will as something potentially less wholesome and then being in some ways opposing forces. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's interesting. That's really good. I do also think there's a lot of Cold War in Star Wars. Um, oh, yeah. And that's something which... <sighs> drives it as well and the, the dark side of the force I think is maybe, maybe that's another thing that we can interpret that as as well mm, that's interesting I hadn't thought about the idea of like um, the empire always having like the more advanced technology the more advanced weapons and that sort of being a demonstration of why it's evil and bad and in the end the the knights that can actually defeat it are individuals who are channeling some kind of force of nature mm. it's but isn't that also kind of collective because the whole idea of the force mm. is that it is collective it's just a different kind of collective yeah yeah i think you're right it's not top down you know it's not a military structure where it's top down it's more unstructured perhaps a more democratic thing mm. although of course that depends on which interpretation of the force you're getting into which is like okay which property are you talking about yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There was this. It, it reminds me. A friend of mine made a really interesting point about the Jedi Knights recently, because there's that old one of those Star Wars has those kind of decades of old gags which get used against it. And one of them is, you know, why why is it that the Jedi Knights all dress exactly the same when the <laughs> idea is that that was originally just supposed to be what Ben was wearing on Tatooine? And a friend of mine made the really good point of what if that's the point. What if these these knights, these people who are ambassadors and scientists and explorers and soldiers, deliberately dress like farmers, and the oh. and the message they're supposed to send is we're just like you and you're just mm-hmm. like us, and it speaks to that interconnectedness through the force, and that kind of blew my mind. I've never heard that interpretation before, and I really love it. I love that as well, and that's like to be honest, that's kind of what my read on it was pre-prequels hmm. when actually you see the jedi in action and no, no one else is wearing that stuff <laughs> they're not looking like that 100 like, yeah. <laughs> setting themselves apart from everybody else yeah. but yeah i i love that as like the original idea yeah. right? like that's what it was once i want actually wanted to ask a little bit about the force because like so i don't know the 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 law i don't know the deep explanations of these things um So the Force, right, Mm -hmm. Um, it's basically, it's a kind of magic that both the Jedi and the Sith have, right? Oh, hello. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Okay. All right. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready, Sasha. Lay it on me. Lay it on me. (laughs) 
so okay um again this really depends on where in the whole property you're looking and also <laughs> who is writing that property and who's directing it because it is not at all uh laid down in stone okay uh, but it's so the force is uh a well force that it is is in all living things but it's not just that like the jedi have it and the sith have it it is a power that you can tap into it is an energy that you can move with and move yourself mm. um but everything every living thing has the force it's just that jedi and sith tend to be people who are more naturally talented at it so for instance the jedi back in the heyday will just take force sensitive kids just take them just train them up and also you are you are trained in using the force according to a particular school but it's not just jedi and sith that use the force other people have their own relationship with it their own way of growing in it and using it and yeah it's it's in every living thing so then is the difference between the jedi and the sith in in terms of like how they access the force and how they wield it because my understanding is that like the jedi uh access the force through like a kind of meditative kind of practice and like a feeling of oneness and the sith access it through an emotive um kind of like like through strong emotions can we talk about the feelings of the jedi the jedi are a really really interesting idea and they're a really interesting idea because as Sasha's already pointed out with the force what they are and how well they work changes entirely dependent on which part of star wars you're looking at them through okay and from the entry point of the original trilogy they are this this paragon this legendary order of heroes who kept the galaxy safe and the bright republic the current series of comics and books is actually set in the in that particular heyday when you know it's it's very avalonian it's very king arthur in that mm. and not the kind of grubby Excalibur Patrick Stewart head headbutting people in a rainstorm ex- <laughs> King Arthur you know the nice King Arthur and you get the after image of that almost with the original trilogy and then things get really interesting when you start diving into into the other time periods because with the prequels you see them at the end of their period of of cultural dominance and they're tired and outmaneuvered almost instantly and then with the sequel trilogy they become especially in last jedi they become an idea which is questioned and explored in really interesting ways and one of the the, the questions the movie raises is do we need them mm. and i i love that this central tenet of this colossal fictional universe is so protean and it really does shift depending on where you stand Katie, what are your thoughts on the Jedi and their feelings? Or your feelings about the Jedi? Yeah, I have always felt, and I guess this is explored a lot more in the prequel trilogy, that um, Mm -hmm. fundamentally their way of going about things is flawed. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Basically. (laughs) Uh, I'd agree with that. I mean, you don't take kids away from their parents. Um, yeah. And I understand the dilemma in terms of, obviously, if you have if you wield great force and you, you then have things that you're attached to 
uh, or want to protect, then you're compromised. But I wonder if the uh, the sequels are going for a kind of evolution of that, where it's like we, we, you embrace love and you harness its power. I don't know, mm. um, which I'm much I'm much more comfortable with, and kind of hope that's what they were seeking to portray the idea evolving towards all along. Interesting. Now, Sasha, you got very excited. Yeah, I love talking about the failings of the Jedi. I love <laughs> Star Wars. I'm very excited about the Jedi. Love thinking about the Jedi. The oh, Jedi did you say suck. failings? I thought you said feelings. No, no, the failings. failings the yeah. failings of the Jedi, yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant... I thought we were about to talk about how the Jedi like try and have no feelings, but actually they have lots of feelings. And, oh, that's um, one of the many failings of the Jedi, Helen. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like if the if we said that the first the original trilogy was about like hope mm. and misc, then I think the the prequel trilogy is about how the Jedi failed. Mm. Yeah. And, and then the the sequel trilogy is about Star Wars. But <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I think that the prequel trilogy is 100% about how about how the Jedi failed. It's not just that they're tired and they're outmaneuvered. It's that they are wrong. Yes. Fundamentally on so many things. Mm. Um, and they are incapable at this point of not being so set in their ways as to be almost fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. And that is ultimately their downfall. Um, the fact that they can't open themselves up to love as potentially a force for good. And that leaves them... I, I, to the point where they can't they can't even feel compassion at this point they they are so detached yeah. that they have lost anything that's actually making it giving them a point so the jedi have this very specific way of tapping into the force that they teach to everybody as Katie was saying because the idea is you can't be left to have all this power and also have your own agenda that would be atrocious mm. um but it means that they are so closed they cannot actually do good in the world because they they want to continually stay removed. They want to continually not have attachments, not get involved, to the point where they are now just basically an, a, a bureaucratic arm of the state mm. of which they will have no opinion officially, but they also do have opinions. <laughs> like, it's so hypocritical. There's no one as hypocritical as a Jedi master. Um, and they they will not accept the reality of what is in front of them because it doesn't go with their code you know they will Mm. not accept that they all do have attachments they will not accept that that might be fine actually Mm. um to the point where they're like the whole downfall of anakin who by the way is a fascist and not not cool Mm. um but could have been avoided had the jedi actually done anything useful at all um and to do that they would have had to open themselves up to compassion yeah but they are so we must not have feelings we must not have attachments we must not be attached to the world that they will not get involved in the world they will not affect the world unless someone official has a piece of paper telling them to do it like they go to tatooine and anakin little baby anakin is saying, oh, I had a dream I was a Jedi and I came back and I freed all the slaves. And they're like, oh, wow, very interesting. Uh, So anyway, we just need a hyperdrive and also we'll take this child. (laughs) Uh, They don't get involved (laughs) because it's not their job. Yeah, yeah. 
It's messed up. It is messed that up. That is messed up. Yeah. And mm. on that point of agreement, I think we're going to take a little break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome back. Oh, the first half of this was everything that I desired. Thank you very, very much for um, uh, providing me with the interesting takes. So I'm going to change our topic completely. Um, this is a very, very wide question. I do understand this. Um, but I, you know, I, it isn't an enthusiasm if I don't ask a question that makes everyone go, ah, um, do any of you have a favourite Star Wars character? Oh, it's got to be Leia, isn't it? Ooh, why Leia? 
That's a good choice. I, I just like the fact that, well... Luke was mooning around trying to be a grown up and Han was really not achieving very much. She was just she was just his community organizer getting shit done. <laughs> yeah, she's just she's solid and um at no point do you doubt her. Yeah. And she's got some great lines as well. Yeah, yeah, she does. I like that she went from princess to general. Mm. I felt like mm. that is a journey that you don't often see female characters make. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And all her stuff with Oscar Isaac in The Lost Jedi is just insanely great. Mm. I, I I love that friendship between those two characters. Mm. If nothing else, because it's one of the very few times you can see Oscar Isaac almost visibly going, oh, oh, God, oh, I can't screw up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> must behave. <laughs> Bless him. I do. I, I've got the biggest soft spot for Oscar Isaac. Oh hell I yeah! I really enjoy yeah. all of his performances. No, I will watch him in anything. There, there was some footage from the rap party for Force Awakens of him leading an impromptu samba line of Rebel fighter pilots in full <laughs> oh, costume. Brilliant. And God love him. You could tell which two were British because he's just—he's <laughs> just effortlessly graceful and cool. And the guy behind him is like, I can see the beat, Oscar. <laughs> so who is your favorite alistair i have kind of a journey with this um mm. like an awful lot of people when i was a kid my favorite character was of course han because han is the absolute coolest and um then as i grew up and interestingly this is one of the really successful parts of, of the sequel series when when you revisit him and find out that oh this is not a man you want to grow into being Good Lord, that was a really interesting steering point for me. The two people I find myself circling back to, and and both of these really surprised me actually when when you when Lara emailed us this question. I have a lot of time for Finn. Yeah, mm. and I, I I think Finn is simultaneously one of the best characters in the franchise and arguably one of the least well-served because he has two-thirds of a brilliant arc and then he's also in Rise of Skywalker. And <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, see, it's... when I was going to do my comment on this, I was going to say that I think my favourite character is what Finn could have been. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. totally get that. Yeah. It just they, just they They did him so dirty. He's yeah. such a fascinating evolution for me of the, the kind of protagonist figure that Luke is. Mm. And also of going back to, to Katie's excellent point about the, the kind of white fly looking stormtroopers, mm. the image of this face of this literal face of the enemy, this literal blank slate of fascism. And it's this terrified kid mm. under the helmet. That was so such powerful. A, it was such a strong message and such a strong harmony to establish between the, the those the latter two trilogies especially of here's the cannon fodder which you're used to just getting seen getting mown down offhandedly mm. they're all people yeah. yeah yeah i like that too also chewy because chewy's just really cool chewy's cool uh, <laughs> and you know head, heading in, into my 40s as a six foot two very large man i can totally relate to pragmatic walls that just go yeah i got this it's fine <laughs> Sasha, what about you? Oh, this is so hard. I know. Um, Leia and Finn were two that also popped into my head. Mm. Um, yeah, Le Leia was like a formative character for me. Yeah. And just so cool. One of the best characters in anything. Finn is also just a 
like a really brilliant character that we did not get to dive into enough yeah um at all i think um but john boyega just played him so well mm, as well yeah um he's just so charismatic <laughs> um i think i love poe dameron Mm-hmm. But it's also, um, it's largely lust. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I pick him as my favourite character. Um, so I also, I I have a very, very, very strong affection for uh, the robot BD-1 that you get in The Force Awakens. Your little droid companion is called BD-1. Um, it's in the, the video game where you play um, a a Jedi that like well it was a Padawan when Order sixty six happened and mm. managed to escape and it, it's oh, a pretty the, good the, video game. The the, the tiny little two legged chicken looking yes. guy. Oh yes, right. absolutely love him. <laughs> and um, and also I've been watching a lot of Clone Wars lately, and I think actually. Obi-Wan Kenobi is a fascinating mm. character. He's maybe one of the characters I find the most interesting. Mm. Um, looking at like his journey with the Jedi, mm. mm-hmm. um, with Anakin, and then with Luke. He's not the one I like the most, but he's maybe the one that I'm most interested by. Mm. Yeah. Because, That's a really good way to put it. Because he sort of charts that decline, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, as, as one of the, basically the last loyal Jedi of yeah. the previous kind of might of the Order. He kind of, he's a figurehead for the decline, mm. which is quite an interesting part to play. I've forgotten about yeah. the droids. I do love R2 a lot. <laughs> so sweet. I um, <laughs> I have a soft spot for the droid from Rogue One. Which one's that? Oh, Alan um, Tudyk. With like the, right. It's like, like a two really long legs and then like a square on top and like oh, yeah. a little head. Really sarcastic. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, like the first would... one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would I would listen to Alan Tudyk read the phone book. Mm. There are <laughs> tiny nothing lines he delivers in that, which would make me laugh every time. Mm. I, I I love how prissy he gets on. Would you like to know the probability of her shooting us? It's high. Yeah, <laughs> it's really high. <laughs> I also I just in general have a mass. I I really liked Rogue One. I think that is such an underrated film. I with you, Helen. Oh, I really liked it too, yeah. especially the ending. Yep. Uh, yes. I I have I hear so many people say that it's underrated, but I actually don't know anyone who doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just you don't see people talking about it that much. I see people talking about it. Maybe I. Oh, maybe I'm in the I'm, wrong part of the internet. Uh, I I really like it. I really rate it as a film. I think it's great. I really Me enjoyed too. it as well. And then yeah. watching Rogue One and then following it immediately with A New Hope. I actually get really emotional. Yeah. Aww. I mean, that last half hour is quite devastating. Mm. Though, isn't it? Yeah. It's incredibly devastating. Yeah. And that's why I like it. Exactly. Because yeah. I feel like there is that, that, that film is very brave. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And um, I appreciate that a lot. Karen Gillan, the, the, the comic writer, made a point about the end of Rogue One that absolutely haunts me and about that just brutal sequence where vader is just threshing yeah the guys mm. on on the ship mm. the point he made was that is the perfect definition of the rebel alliance because every single one of those people is essential mm. if mm. they all last one if any of them lasts one second less vader gets the information and they're doomed mm. yeah each one of them has a meaningful part to play yeah and that part is horrible and costs them everything and they do it mm-hmm. and that is so powerful Mm. It is, it is. Yeah. It, 
I really loved it as a tale of resistance. Mm. Yes, mm. absolutely. Mm. Really moving. Yeah. I, 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 it's the new movies are a very strange experience because two of them, I think, are two of the best out, best pieces of Star Wars in any format that have ever been produced, mm. which are Rogue One and Last Jedi, mm. and. I mean, I I have a horrible tendency to to adopt underdogs. <laughs> if a film shows up, M- Marguerite has this brilliant running gag where you know, where you know she says, you know, you'll watch something and the soundtrack will be good. Nothing else will, will be. You'll wait till it costs five pounds and buy it on Blu-ray. And I'm like, shut up! <laughs> as I'm unpacking a Kristen Stewart underwater monster movie, you know. <laughs> And I am one of the four people on Earth who came out of Solo and went, I liked that. That was fun. I quite liked it. I don't know why people... It It was fine. It wasn't trying to be great. I I liked it. I I am delighted to finally be among my people. Because I I just... I I mean, even if you can somehow put aside Donald Glover in a wide variety of Calrissian couture, and it is almost impossible to do that because he's so damn good at that I'll be honest... Don't much care for the film. We'll watch it anytime someone suggests it because I love to watch Donald Glover's Glando Calrissian. Mm. <laughs> I want I want to see that man in capes. Right? Mm. Absolutely. And um Phoebe Wallerbridge as mm-hmm. as L337. Just you know how certain wine deliveries just lodge in your mind? The point in that where she has got very overexcited and her delivery on, I'm creating a distraction, just gets gets used in this house more than once a week. It's quite alarming. <laughs> I think it's going to start getting used in this house too, now you said that. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. And um, I, I sometimes think, you know, with the genres, the kind of people who enjoy them, they need things to really, really fit and be incredibly neat. And they get very mm. angry about any sort of plot inconsistency. Um, and I find I can generally overlook that if I'm just enjoying the characters and the fun, you know. That's that's exactly what I ended up mm. taking away from Solo. That That's a beautiful way of articulating mm. it. Because the, the gag in that movie that lives rent-free in my head didn't make it to the final cut. <laughs> it's in the trailer. And there's a shot where Han and Chewie walk in, into focus. And Han looks across at Chewie and goes, what do you think? And Chewie goes, and Han visibly deflates. He says, ah, what do you know? And walks <laughs> off shot. And it is such a perfect encapsulation of this poor Wookiee who is... <laughs> is slowly realising he is going to be the designated adult for this hot mess for the rest of his life. I can't remember where I saw it, but someone, there was like some tweet or something going around where someone pointed out like, given the lifespan of Wookiees to humans, Han is basically Chewie's dog. (laughs) That's an interesting inversion of the popular um, take, isn't it? I love that. Hello, I'm Chewbacca. Don't mind him. He hasn't had his yeah. walk yet. <laughs> he won't. He, he won't harm you. He'll lick you to death, but he won't harm you. <laughs> He's still growing, I think. <laughs> this is a potentially controversial take as well, but I feel like Kylo Ren was also underserved in the sequels. His his arc feels very strange, and I yeah. I think the most tactful way I can put it is Rise of Skywalker absolutely plays like a film which did not have a script 12 months before it saw production. Oh, my God. Mm. It was painful to mm. watch that. Yeah. I, the urge to edit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. So, <laughs> so hard. 
and it's already filmed. I can't, I can't edit the script. I actually loved Kylo Ren's arc up until the last Jedi, like where he chooses evil. It is the inverse yes. of what we saw in the original trilogy. It's why I love the last Jedi. Yes, that was cool. That was so really much good. because it is yeah. a, a love letter and an indictment, and mm. it's just like this essay on Star Wars, which is so good. Mm. And I, I love Kylo Ren's arc in it as that. And then, of course... I just... I was yeah. so primed by that for Kylo Ren to become, like, the big bad. And then they were like, no, actually. No, actually, he is lovely. It's, the, it's this... It's this <laughs> oh, somehow, Palpatine has returned. Um, and I was like... A lot of heavy lifting in the word somehow. I, <laughs> and I was just like... But you don't need him. no. No, you there was need um, you got your birdie. Yeah. When I came out, that I was working in an office, and there was another guy on my team who loved Star Wars as much as I do, but mm. we had very different opinions on the Last Jedi. So he didn't like it. I loved it. Yeah. And it was always like the point of contention, but not like we didn't argue about it. But it was like a disagreement that we had. Yeah. And we both went to see Rise of Skywalker on the same night when it came out, and then the next time we came into the office, we were like, "Oh, did you did you see it? Did you, what did you think?" Oh, yeah, it was awful. It was really bad. <laughs> really, really bad. And, like, I love Star Wars. I am a huge Star Wars fan. I hate the Star Wars fan community. It's one of the worst fan communities. We don't agree about oh, I anything. Avoid completely. Not at all. We yeah. don't agree about any single thing except how bad the Rise of Skywalker yeah. was. <laughs> it was the one thing. They, yeah. Oh, well done, guys. You managed to actually unite yeah. us. Aww. I just, I mean, you you could blow two hours plus on everything that film does very wrong. Mm, yeah. But the the thing which just left the nastiest taste in my mouth was you have this wonderful arc with Poe, which deconstructs the heroic rogue fighter pilot so well across those first two movies, mm. and then basically to camera in the third one they go, oh yeah, the uh, the first um, male Hispanic lead in uh, in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, he used to be a drug dealer. Yeah. Oh, and here's his Face girlfriend. Palm. In case you were wondering if he was straight. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, the emergency girlfriend. Yeah. Oh my god. Mm, emergency oh. girlfriends. Real shame. A real shame I for think the movie. My least favourite thing about that film was where they made C3PO take this huge sacrifice to give up his memory. And then, and then, didn't then five minutes anything. later they were like, by the way, we got a USB yeah. stick with your personality on it. Here you go, oh, buddy. Yeah. Ludicrous. It's alright, we backed it up to for? Dropbox. We're cool. <laughs> I am sensing that we could do a whole other hour on this, but we're actually coming up to time. So I'm going to end on a nice fun question to pick us out of the pit um, of our thoughts on The Rise of Skywalker. And that question is, if you had a lightsaber, what colour would you like it to be? Because I would absolutely want Samuel Jackson's purple lightsaber. That's because it's badass as hell. I think I'm the only Star Wars fan in the world that doesn't care about the color of lightsabers. I don't have an opinion on this question. The I don't know if you you've any, any of you've seen the documentary no. The Beginning. Yeah. Yeah, and there's this it's um about the making of the Phantom Menace and there's this bit where you and McGregor they bring him the prop lightsabers and he gets to pick one. Ooh. He gets to pick his lightsaber <laughs> and it's amazing and I was like I'm so so jealous of that. But also <laughs> I don't care what color it is. Okay. Like I don't know why. That no that's very valid. 
that's very valid, Stan. <laughs> well, not you red, I suppose I could have a brown one, so it'd be like the chocolate <laughs> and complete the set. I don't care as long as it, I'm the sound person. As long as it makes the noise, <laughs> there I don't you care. Go. Um, go, golden would be nice. That would be, that'd be pretty. Ah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> the noise. The noise. And what about you, Alistair? Well, I mean, how, especially now we've brought it all around to the all the way back around to the start. How could I not have one that isn't that deeply upsetting shade of Mister Freeze blue? <laughs> <laughs> Mister Freeze, right. Oh, I love the chocolate mini milk brown, and you have the Mr. Freeze Blue. There we go. Lovely. There we go. Oh, very good. Very w- wonderful way to uh, round off the episode there. Thank you. Um, that is all we have time for. Um, so, listener, thank you for listening to us talk about Star Wars. I realise it's a very, very big topic, but we only have an hour for these and I'm not doing another one on Star Wars. So that's your lot. Um, (laughs) I will see you on the next episode. Um, But for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from all of them. Would you all like to say goodbye? Goodbye. Goodbye. um, May the force be with you and all that. Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. It is directed by Helen Gould, produced by Lori Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner, and edited by Marissa Ewing, Tessa Broom and Catherine Minella. Thanks for listening. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.